After a short break for the holiday period, 115 Miles is back. And in this episode, we're talking about young people, how they're affected by the pandemic, what advice would we give to our younger selves, and is now the time to look at the processes that are in place to support our young people. As ever, if you enjoy this podcast, then please make sure you've left us a review and you can come and join the community on Instagram at 115 Miles Pod. We hope you enjoy. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. Josh. Hassan. Welcome back. 115 miles. We've had a little hiatus, a little break. A break that we never told anyone that we was going to have, but... um... Mate, I'm so raring to go. I, I, I've proper missed. I've proper missed recording this, mate. I realised what a massive outlet it is for me to to be able to rant about the state of society semi regularly with you. I know you're just you've you've been having to rant to yourself uh, in your head for the last month. Literally, mate, with with no feeling like I'm being heard when I do it. So. Like genuinely, and like on the the other side of it as well, uh, probably more than we thought we would. We've been contacted by quite a lot of people that listen to this podcast asking us where the hell we are. So that's good, promising from a from yeah. A, like we uh, can we can pretend it was all a cunning ploy to drive up uh, you know scarcity and demand and all that sort of stuff. But actually, it, we, <laughs> didn't we? We took we took some we took some time off and thought well. Probably no one will really notice, but actually people did. So uh, a good reason for us to come back. So listen, we had uh, some time off in August, some rest, spent some time with families. Um, if uh, if you could pick a word to describe how you're feeling at the moment, what, what word would that be? One word, just one word just to one describe word. how I'm feeling. Yeah. It would be... Um, uh, I'm going to say content, but I, 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 I want to give it content and then give it content a rating of 8 out of 10. Okay. I mean, I wasn't me. just going to ask you for one word. I, I want you to, you know, tell us a bit more about the words. Tell, well, so tell just, us. You know, I think like everyone, it's been a very strange year, 2020. We didn't get the opportunity to do any kind of holidays and stuff like that. And so we went uh, away to North Wales, when we should have been recording last time, we did it because I was in North Wales with the family. Uh, the family being me, my wife, the dog, and our six children uh, in an eight-birth caravan in North Wales. Uh, and it was just brilliant. It was, And, you know, it was one of those times where you just think, I didn't realise how needed it was until we went and did it. And I kind of feel like now that, like, you know, everyone's had their holiday, everyone's had that time out, and I feel contented with that. There's still stuff going on, like there always is in life, but um, I feel I feel much more... I didn't realise how uh, uncontent's not the word, is it? Is it? Uncontent. Discontent. Discontent. Discontented. Yeah. I didn't realise how that I felt uh, until I went away on holiday and came back. Uh, yeah. And I think that's quite often the case. Yeah. What, what about you? Have you got a uh, word? 
energized, but for very similar reasons. You know, um, I think, uh, I think, you know, because we were forced into this space where we, you know, where we we stopped traveling, we stopped commuting, uh, we were homebound for so long. Um, the obviously one of the benefits was we we uh, for some of us at least not everyone I know but you know you got to spend more time with your loved ones and because you weren't in your daily routine you almost sort of thought that you weren't necessarily working as hard or in the same way and mm. you, you know because you had a bit more time and maybe you were kind of uh, just working differently so I, f- I guess I didn't really feel like I'd earned the right to take a week off and you know mm. uh, for me as well uh, I've talked about it in the past really trying to focus on making sure the business keeps going and you know that clients are looked after and all that sort of stuff in those last few months um but like you I didn't realize how much I needed just to unplug and take a a, a a week out and a week almost doesn't feel like enough you know one week in in you know nine months that's that's not a lot of time mm. but it was so needed so necessary and actually I just did more of the same you know spending time with the family but it was just you know no work and I realized that for me it was transitioning out of sort of uh stage one of kind of uh pandemic lockdown and then kind of into two and um, you know maybe we'll get into this in sort of um, future episodes but this sort of stage two is much more focusing on the internal rather than kind of the external shifts or changes or you know things that we need to try and manifest in Um, so that's been good I feel really energized and ready for you know the, the last few months of this year and just kind of get ready for uh kind of whatever's about to come around the corner yeah, and th- th- times away do always for me, ge- like genuinely, uh, they make me think I need to make sure that I do this enough. Because, like, for me, my eldest daughter now is 14, right? So there aren't many left of her coming in on holiday in the caravan with us like that, right? And mm. obviously, with my youngest still being two, I really get a very clear vision of how quick it goes by and it'll be gone. And, you know, I, I loved the time away with my eldest, Gracie, at the age that she is. Loved it. Absolutely brilliant. But she ain't a kid no more. She she is, but she's not a baby no more. And uh, I think we do get very caught up in this idea that the way to give your children the best life is to work as hard as you can. And, uh, yeah, yeah, because I would, I would take Gracie back, the 14-year-old, I'd take her back to being two tomorrow and do it all again and, and spend more time with her and be more involved and be more present. And um, more than ever, I'm more than happy to do my earning in my 50s when my kids are grown up. Mm. And that might sound a little bit extreme, but genuinely there's a real part of me that um, is very clear in my mind that one of my main goals is to be as present as I can for my kids, mate. And we have that, to keep... that, that's always yeah. strong for me after a holiday. Yeah, and we always have to cl- like cling on to that feeling because it, it, you know, it's you have those moments where you go, I, I don't, you know, on holiday whilst you're on it, you go, this is brilliant. I need to make sure I do more of it, and I'm really enjoying this space and time. And then you come back and you feel great about it, and you go, I must make sure I never go back to or or, or don't allow myself to go into that space where I take this for granted. And then two or three weeks in, and you're sort of back in your old rhythms, and, and so yeah. it, you, it's it's a constant. Um, it's a constant reminder. How can you how can you remind yourself, you know, to stay present to that? Do you think? Well, one of the things I've been trying to do is commit to a four day week. So I've been trying to um, 
or commit to a four and a half day week. But that, that that's going to change slightly now because Maya, who is my second youngest, starts school this week. So uh, it's going to be um, like it used to be if I took a day off, but both my kids were there, the two young ones, and we could, you know, get busy having fun. But that's going to change now. So the four day week thing will probably change. But I think it is about being I have to be quite like strict in the way that I dedicate time to stuff. So just saying I'm going to make sure I spend more time with the kids will not make me spend more time with the kids. Actually, it's sometimes about, and me and Leah have already looked at it, in October going, boom, this weekend when the kids have finished school, we're going to try and go away. And if we can't go away till the Sunday, right, let's do something on the Saturday or the Sunday or whatever that's a proper day out. And actually putting it in the diary and treating it like you would anything else, you know. If I had a really important call with a um, a potential big client, it'd be in my diary, boom, marked out. You know what I mean? I so if we, if, yeah. So if we, if we sort of unpack that, that's basically putting practices in place. You know, that almost take the, you know, the the thinking out of it. Like it's there. It's yeah. sort of something that you treat with a level of respect, and you look forward to. Um, how did like, you know, that's sort of one good tactic, right? And not everyone can do like a four day week or a four and a half day week no, or whatever, no, right? We're, we're, we're sort of privileged it. for that. So, is, uh, you know, I'm pointing more to like a mindset thing. How do you, how do you kind of stay f- have present to it from a mindset perspective for, for everyone, you know, not just you, like, how do you kind of make sure that you, something that you want to cling on to, not let go of, how do you stay present to it? What the- in in a lot of ways, then, we're going a little bit deep here and we start going into what are your daily practices, right? What are your daily practices? What's your mind diet? Like the guy, Johan Harry, in his latest book, Lost Connections, talks a lot about how we've got a lot of fast food for our mind in terms of the things that we binge on and the things that we fill our minds with. You know, in order to keep your teeth in tip-top shape, you spend five minutes on them in the morning and you spend five minutes on them in the evening, right? And you don't even think about it. Like, it's it's not even a thing. And you don't, by the way, brush them necessarily and then look at them and go, oh, they're all sparkly and white. It's working. You just do it, right? With an understanding that your teeth will stay a decent nick as long as you do do that, right? And I think there's something to be said for what we do with our minds as well. Not Like, I've always had a pretty thorough and regular, I say always, in, you know, since I've changed, made changes in my life, a thorough and regular routine in doing that, right? But uh, it's always reviewing that. It's always making sure that your routine hasn't become monotonous, you know, like you're brushing your teeth hasn't become, it's no longer a five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening. It's now one minute with a dirty old toothbrush that needs replacing because the head's all gone soft, right? Mm. You, sometimes you need to go, well, hang on a minute, we need to update this stuff, we need to have a look at this and refocus. And sometimes a thing like a holiday might be the thing that refocuses it with your teeth when you go to the dentist they might go you know what's going on in the back here and you go oh maybe it's my toothbrush and then you get back on it right so I, I think there's a lot to be said for doing that with our minds as well because when you look after your mind what's important will come forward and you'll act on it fantastic you have you know pearly whites as well so uh you know your 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 teeth regime is paying dividends uh, <laughs> that's the den plan mate that's yeah. the other privilege of den plan <laughs> yeah just uh stay focused outsource it um you know the, the, i think that's absolutely right though i think you know oftentimes i was talking to somebody else about this earlier in the week um a good friend of both ours mark um and uh we're talking about kind of you know 
uh, say if you want to kind of improve your physical fitness and you're in, mm. uh, you're in a place uh, where you've got to put a lot of effort, right? You do that consistently. You do it over time. In, t- in like two years' time, one year's time, you- you've transformed, right? And that's through consistent mm. practice. The way that we treat mental health sometimes is very different. We sort of dip in and out. So if we're really stressed, we might dip in a little bit and do it for a while. But then what happens is if you kind of, you know, if say you've worked really hard phys- on your on your kind of physical health and you've gotten yourself into shape, you know, if you start to kind of do less of it and start to increase the amount of kind of bad food you're eating in the beginning it's okay right you can probably just cope with it but if you continue to do that you'll you'll get out of shape really quickly and the same Mm. with mental health right if you stopped you know in similar to your brushing teeth analogy if you stop brushing your teeth uh, after a while they're just going to turn into rotting teeth right so um, mental health is just one of those things that we think you know isn't something that we need to kind of take care of on a uh, on a frequent basis but actually the more that we do it you just sort of stay in shape you keep it topped up um and so staying present you know to bring us back to the kind of the the the, the topic we we're talking about is i think it's just you know having practices in place that you know that remind you of uh of kind of the the, the feelings and the moments and the commitments that you're making to yourself so diarizing things i think is one of the brilliant ways to do it because what happens is if you diarize it and it's not a natural thing that you do you just follow the process you just trust the process but be- mm. before long you don't need that daily reminder because it's just ingrained it's part of your positive habits on a daily basis yeah and there's like there's there's a lot to be said for just looking at your diet as well and i don't mean looking at your mental diet i mean if you if you made the comparison to like the physical stuff that we're talking about you know if you were eating mcdonald's every single night and like not eating any healthy foods and you're having a chocolate bar in the afternoon right and, and and i said to you you need to start looking after your physical health and you said well i don't know where to start i'd be like we'll start by stopping the mcdonald's every night mate for a start do you know what i mean like have one on the weekend perhaps when you know as a treat because it's nice to give ourselves treats but don't have one every single night and the amount of times people say to me i i don't know how to make time for myself or where to start looking after my my kind of mental well-being and you ask them what they're doing and of an evening they're sitting up binging and they're doing a lot on their phones social media is 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 in there it's not just in their family home it's part of their evening consumption when they could be making eye contact with their kids you know like my my four-year-old Maya is absolutely obsessed with snakes and ladders right Hmm. at the moment so we've been playing we play snakes and ladders all of the time over and over and over again right and I've literally been sat at the table with her and had my four-year-old daughter say to me no phones at the table dad Mm. and then have to repeat herself dad put your phone away Mm. and you think you want to start looking after your that thing's got to go up and out the way dad uh, put your phone away and then maybe you might win some of these games against me (laughs) trust me mate you do all you can to lose when you're playing against my daughter you're right okay all you can to lose yeah um um you know, I'm just challenging you on one thing, um, not because I don't, be- I don't think you don't believe it, but just, just to, you know, to, to help our listeners understand that sometimes if, let's say, take your McDonald's, eating McDonald's every night analogy, if you mm. suddenly said, well, listen, just don't eat it during the week and just eat it at the weekends. For some people, that's too extreme. And just the thought of it is too extreme because if mm. you eat it every day and you go, well, suddenly five out of seven days, I'm not eating it, you'll reject it. So I sort of, I talked about this recently about, you know, if you want the secret to big changes, like focus on the small things. So actually you might say the first week, you might say, do you know what? Uh, No fries. 
have your yeah. burgers, no fries, right? Or cut out the milkshake or whatever it is, but you sort of take the small shifts and you yeah. take them down one by one. Same with like social media. If you suddenly go, I'm just going to come off social media. If that's what's been feeding you constantly, your entertainment, mm. your unwind, right? Even though it sort of jacks you up oftentimes, right? But actually, um, if you just say, okay, I'm just going to, uh, which is what I've started to do. I say, I'll just, um, I t- I've turned on screen time, uh, self-imposed screen time from 10 o'clock every night until seven in the morning. Yeah. And, and um, so it's not that I'm not using it. It's just for me, that's my cutoff. And that's, that's for some people that might be too extreme. So find your kind of micro things that can get you to that place where ultimately what you're aiming for is if, you know, f- to use the McDonald's an- analogy or any fast food, you know, by the way, um, uh, just to point that out, you know, like, just, for, you know, it's like stop uh, uh, in micro uh, increments until you get to the place you want to get to. Yeah, that's the, the, there's you, there's app blockers as well. Have you heard of them? Where you yeah. can actually get like, you can get an app on your phone where you can set like a timer so that like certain apps, you're only allowed an hour. Like, yeah. Over the whole day, you're allowed an hour and then you might be a little bit better in the way that you consume it. Um I, I was surprised actually. I saw somebody post recently about turning the notifications off on WhatsApp. So I, I, and then there was a conversation that ensued on there, and people were like, "Yeah, I sometimes turn off the notifications on my social media." And I'm like, oh, "What people have their notifications on on social media? The only uh, notifications I have on my phone is message, ring, and then um, non-group WhatsApp messages. So all of my groups are all." muted I, I only go into them if i want to go into them and then of an evening most evenings from five six o'clock i put my phone on do not disturb as well you're the messiah so well, well, you know I, am, yeah. I, I, I think <laughs> i am the kind of level that people shouldn't want to meet. But, no, but i tell you what to, to kind of, just to further explain that i get really overwhelmed by my phone um i get really overwhelmed particularly i think because i do a lot of the like social media work as well Mm-hmm. I get like sometimes my phone. I I I hate it. I, it makes me anxious. So just it, ha- it hates to... you sometimes as well when <laughs> when, when you put some of those naff posts on social media. <laughs> uh, no, you're you're very good at social media. Um, so listen, I, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna ask you um, to have a think about something specific actually because uh, I've been I've been thinking about. Uh, the fact that you know for 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 those of us who are parents uh this is a bit of a shift you know kids going back to school actually going back to school and it's kind of you know the start of the new school term and um a lot of talk over the last four you know four or five months um has been around kind of mental health rightly you know mm. the impact of covid of lockdown of the pandemic of being furloughed, of redundancies, of kind of the economy um, uh, on on adults, you know, a bit, you know, people who are working, not working, uh, millennials, you know, um, and I think an an area of society that's been really overlooked is that of children, mm. and you know, the mental health of children, and it's really present for me thinking about how my kids are going back in, but also lots of parents, but also not even, you know, not just parents, you know, it's, it's kind of, what's the impact going to be on, uh, on these young uh, people for their generations to come. So to kick us off, um, 
I would like you to just um, have a think about something and answer something for me. And you can have a few minutes to think about it. But if you could... You're welcome. If you could go back in time to your nine-year-old self, Mm. knowing what you know now, what would you say? What? Uh, What, just in general or in terms of the fact that my nine-year-old self is living in COVID? Sorry, that that was just kind of you know, to frame why I want to talk about children, but actually in okay. general, well, knowing what in you general. know now about life, about your experiences, mm. what would you go back and say to your nine-year-old self? Um, it's actually a question I get asked loads, right? This, with the work that I do. So look, the main thing that I would go back to my nine-year-old, my nine-year-old self and say is that all the ways that you feel are normal and valid based on what you're experiencing. Um, And if you can find a way to communicate those feelings to somebody that's willing to listen, it's going to have a huge impact on your life. Now, there's something to be said that the nine-year-old me would probably say, what the hell are you talking about, right? (laughs) But, (laughs) But that is the kind of advice that I think is missing not just in young people actually i think it's missing in adults as well but particularly for young people that kind of ability to understand the need to express our true feelings and emotions and find ways to regulate them at that age when our brains develop in probably a little bit younger than nine to be fair but that would be the advice that i would give yeah that would be what i would say what, what would you say to your nine-year-old self um, stick with Liverpool. <laughs> They'll make it in 30 years' time. Uh, um, uh, no, what, what I would say... I can't say, believe you'd be that evil. You'd put, that, you'd put the nine-year-old yeah, self through 30 I'd, years of hell. I'd say 30 years until you, you, uh, you feel joy again. Um, no, I, I, I think what I would say to my nine-year-old self is um, everyone has superpowers. Mm you have superpowers because I think, uh, you know, my nine year old self and the reason I picked nine was I think as soon as you hit double digits, you, you sort of hit a different, uh, kind of energy, a different space. You start to grow up. Right. So nine year nine year old self is still, you know, innocent, uh, curious, excited, and, uh, isn't weighed, you know, and I don't think you are when you're 10, but you know, I think the point is it you sort of shift into a, you begin to shift into a different zone. And you start thinking about secondary school and things like that. Um, and the point is, I learned through life and through experience and through carrying failure, perceived failure around with me for a long time, that uh, that I did have superpowers, that mm. I do have superpowers. But I spent probably at least a decade, you know, my decade of, you know, 11 to 21 feeling like a failure because I didn't succeed academically in an environment where I was supposed to succeed academically. So I just felt I was a failure. And actually, if I'd have known what I know now about myself when I was nine, I would have approached life differently. I would have gone into the things that really energized me. And uh, I would have thought about the things that um, uh, I, I would have kind of gone into things like arts and crafts. But actually, because uh it, you know, I, I felt like I needed to take a path that other people wanted for me, include, you know, including kind of 
the the way that culture sort of says that you have to kind of study, you know, uh, Asian culture in particular, you know, law, medicine, engineering, those kinds mm. of things, you know, um, I, I sort of felt like that's the only pathway forward for me, even at a young age. And so I couldn't really keep up with that. And so actually, if I really lent into the things that energized me and I was curious about and, ga- and that made me smile, I think I would have, um, you know, uh, had a different experience of those you know next 10 decades and then you know even after 21 I was you know you know carrying a lot of that baggage around and it's Mm. only really when I sort of hit my mid you know 30s mid 30s when I started to feel different and I was starting to enjoy a bit of success and I realized that actually you don't have to um you don't have to take a particular path to be successful you can reach success or be successful or show your strengths in lots of different ways Mm. um so that's it really I mean yeah like you the um the nine-year-old me would probably not be that interested in all the other stuff but possibly that you know that that had superpowers do you think do you think had um the nine-year-old you had the opportunity to speak to you and and heard that advice do you think the system in which the nine-year-old you was in would have supported the night the route that the nine-year-old you would have then taken had he have decided to listen to your your advice I don't think the system is set up for individuality because mm. it, 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 I guess it can't in a way, right. You know, because you have to kind of, you know, follow certain budgets and, and structures and things like that. Um, but I do think it is so important that it is reviewed, especially in light of what's going on right now. And I will bring us back to kind of COVID and, and stuff like that, but yeah, I don't, I don't think the system is set up to harness or celebrate individuality um so uh the ones that can keep up will keep up uh the ones that can't and there'll be a lot more now as we cut as we we'll talk about that in a minute um who won't be able to keep up and this gap uh that exists between uh kind of those that can and those that can't is only going to get wider um but now has to be a time when you start looking at you know the system and and understanding that people will can and do contribute in many many different ways yeah and I, I think the system as it stands is quite shaming in that you go as a child to school and you're going to school to see if you can measure up right that's what the school system does right it says we're going to sort of categorize you into really clever at the top or th- or thick at the bottom right and i'm putting it in blunt layman's terms on purpose um, because that's what the system does. And then you try and measure up. And then it's like, okay, at the moment you're this good. Let's see if we can get you to be that good. There's nothing in the school system that says, let's try and find out who you are. Right? And, and and you know, look, we live in a society now, by the way, where our children, how old's your eldest? She's 10. There's a good chance she'll leave school and go and do a job that doesn't even exist yet. Right? A very yeah. good chance. Very, very, so, very good chance, yeah. Um, so we can't prepare our children for that so i don't know why we pretend that we can and then like you know the stuff you start bringing the internet in and uh, and things like that right and and you start to realize that you know so much of what we're taught and need to learn at school kind of the academic stuff you could find out on google now anyway right down to even by the way and i'm not saying you shouldn't teach people the english language you still absolutely definitely should but you don't really need to necessarily know how to spell anymore not properly, as long as you get the first few letters right, the, the, your phone or your computer or the laptop will sort the rest out for you. 
Uh, see, that that's an interesting thing, right? Because I do think technology is really important. However, um, you know, like take sort of um, sat-navs, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. now just follow sat-nav. Like yeah. almost like they stopped, they stopped using their own intuition around uh, like where to go. So the skills that we had as drivers maybe 20, 30 years ago, where you didn't, re- you had to, like a paper, a map and or you'd print stuff out, or, uh, you know, like a route map and just try and figure it out. You just ha- you had to use intuition, a sense of direction much more. Now you just follow the sat-nav. So the, the thing is, um, you know, they say that things now, like, for example, mental arithmetic skills are much worse than they used to be because you've got calculators on your phones and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so I, I hear your argument. Like maybe you're saying that society says we don't really need to do it in the same way anymore. Well, um, I'm, not, I'm not saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's less essential. What I'm saying is, is if 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 you're not that into maths, it doesn't matter now because there's something that'll do it for you. If you're not that into English language and it doesn't really do it for you, you've still got a good opportunity of being able to make it. You could still create and become a director of a of a global business, right? Yeah. As a as a result, right? Uh, with, yeah. With, without those skills. And like I look at, for example, my younger brother, who is now just turned 18, I think, he was, his behavior and all that kind of stuff throughout school was hugely problematic, lots of problems. You know, he was, you know, some of his behavior was really struggling. My mum and my stepdad, his dad, kind of really up against it, all of that stuff. He's left school and gone on to the building site and his life's changed. Right, his life's changed. It was literally school that was ruining his life. Well, I mean, um, I, I'm I have a similar story. You know, I went to like di- different, obviously, but I went to, mm. as you know, a, a private school, and um, I struggled because I didn't have the uh, the right setup outside of the school environment, and it it entirely requires a two pronged approach. So you have kind of whatever in school, but if you don't have the kind of the infrastructure at home to support that learning, you fall behind really quickly. And I think my mum, bless her, thought, well, I've done all the hard work and she really worked hard to get me into the school. And she thought, well, they'll take care of my son now, right? That's the whole point of this thing. And I was just a bit wily and I could just kind of come home and go, yeah, 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 I did it all at school. And I, I had tons of homework and I wanted to go and play out and, you know, as a kid does. And so I never really kind of built, you know, that that I didn't, I wasn't self-disciplined enough at 10 years old, like, you know, and I don't want to do my mum a disservice. It's not that she just completely hands off. I was just very, very good at evading. I I, I can't entirely blame the school. I was just very good at finding ways to, um, you know, to, to influence and persuade others, which is obviously, you know, why I'm hosting a podcast with you now. Um, but, but you know, listen, the, but, but there's a, you've just made a massive point now. I just want to pick you up on that, right? You was really good at, what did you say? Uh, Influencing, persuading, evading, yeah. being wily. Yeah. 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 Which, which, which is actually really strengths if you nurture them properly. Of course and probably, it, yeah. There's probably massive things that you use in your, you know, career today, right? So you've just taken the things, the very things that got you in trouble when you were at school. Yeah. You know, and it goes back to that thing that I've been saying for a little while now that you go on LinkedIn and every company's looking for someone to be really good at grabbing attention, yeah, and disruptive. That's what all the companies want now, isn't it? Someone who's disruptive, yeah? 
Yeah. So they want a disruptive attention seekers, which will get yeah. you get you thrown out of every yeah. single class in the UK yeah. at the moment, and that's what all the big businesses want. Yeah, if you think about it, it's just you know, you know, using intuition and uh, and uh, you know persuasion to to bend people to my will. Um, but <laughs> but no, but the point is no, but the, but the point is you know I uh, like like your brother you know at school it wasn't the right environment. I'm not saying school isn't the right environment in general. Obviously, you know I'm a parent of three, and I, you know I, I I try and make sure that they uh, you know keep up and have the right structure around them so that they've got all the choices. But um, it it took coming out of the school environment for me to really understand my superpowers and strengths and and and, mm. and, uh, and and or begin to and I started to experience life outside of the academic environment. I worked. I started working and I started working in retail, and I spent the whole like you know seven eight years before that thinking I'm a failure. And then suddenly I thought, oh, okay, well there's something else I can experience here. And I and then I I moved really quickly through retail and kind of the rest is history. You know, like mm. um, as they say, but. Um, so sometimes it just takes a different environment. And uh, you, I think if, if we could help children to understand a little bit about, you know, what they're feeling, to, to speak out about what they're feeling, to, to talk about their anxieties, to talk about the things that, you know, that, that worry them. But also uh, if we listen to them when they're articulating something about, um, yeah, this doesn't energize me, I don't like this. And, and you're right, school doesn't allow for that, you know, and I do agree with you that actually, you, you, you know, you can find your own way. Uh, and you can take a different path, it doesn't have to necessarily be you have to do maths until you're 17, you have to do, you know, English, I agree, you can do it differently. And that's probably what, what we need to look at in terms of moving forward. And I think some Scandinavian countries really take a different approach to education, much more focused on uh, proper growth and development before you start to kind of put in kind of academics and discipline and uh, lots of brilliant case studies about, you know, about more holistic learning and and um, kind of um, not just taking this sort of age old approach. And it's not to say that you shouldn't study history and should, you know, that, you know, past systems and practices haven't been effective. It's just being courageous enough mm. in the present to look and say, is it still right? Is it still fit for purpose? So mm. let's take all the stuff we talked about over the last few months um, around the Black Lives Matter um, movement and what it's raised. And one of the things it's definitely raised is how history is taught. But, you know, history, you might, some people might look and say, well, it's history. So it's, it, it can't change. But, you know, the fact is we have to look at phenomena. We have to look at lots of different perspectives. If, mm. if one side of history is only taught, there's, it's ignoring all these other perspectives. And what children need now, let's take in just that example, is they need the other perspectives of history. It's mm. not to say that one perspective should be eradicated. Not far from it. You have to understand, still understand that perspective, but you have to understand the perspective of the other parts that were affected. Mm. So if you yeah. have an oppressor, view of history then you need to see the oppressed view of history as well mm. right and so i think being courageous and brave to look at your education system we have to because as you said quite rightly the jobs that our kids will do don't exist yeah. so you have to kind of find a different way to um and to it, needs a, it needs a big revamp and i think the reason it hasn't added by the way is because everybody kind of realizes just how sort of uh 
bad's the wrong word, but just kind of how outdated, that's what I'm looking for, just how outdated the school system is, right? You know, everyone talks about how it came into play in the Industrial Revolution and is built around, you know, children not being little human beings, but being these things that we need to condition and train to become a version of what we need them to be. And I think that's more prevalent than ever and is a massive cause of some of the kind of struggles that we see within adults, um, you know, as they're forced to be something that they're not. Yeah, I mean, it was, was, in a way, it was sort of simpler in the in the previous decades in the last few decades right you sort of have a you know you go you go through schooling you do GCSEs you do A levels you do um, university or some kind of equivalent right but it takes you Mm. into kind of a white collar path or not right and you go to like a blue collar path uh, which is kind of non non education based and so you kind of you can you can go in via an apprenticeship or something like that and kind of work your way up Um, whereas success or opportunities or jobs are they're just not that linear anymore right no. like you you can start <laughs> you can start a company if you're a 12 year old uh you know um you know by selling stuff uh on online you know like it's like yeah, yeah. you can start you can a business build instagram accounts and sell them exactly you can build instagram accounts up to get big loads of followers yeah. in a certain niche and then sell them yeah so you, and you can so you, make a good living doing it. So you don't need, you, you know, there are, there's kind of an emergence of a difference, you know, a, a, just a much broader uh, set of skills and knowledge, you know, that, that's needed rather than kind of either work with your hands or, you know, do some kind of white collar yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, you, you know, you could set up a global business from your bedroom now with little or no money. People do, yeah. So I want to bring us back to kind of, you know, covid young people children in particular because young people can can be like anything from eight up to 24 and actually i'm really i'm, I'm really like i'm what are we talking about from eight why are we what about the first eight years well no exactly yeah no 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 for sure no no you're good you're, you're a point i mean I, I think what i'm saying is young people can be so broad right but yeah, yeah. like i think i'm talking about yeah. you know i'm talking about children bef- children children yeah. you know so the ones that you know, for, for some children, it's, um, you know, not being around their friends. And that was hard, right? And that, you know, and, and not having their kind of routines. That's probably the more privileged children. For some children, it was being in school was was their one zone of being safe yeah. and warm yeah. and fed. Yeah. And that went. And so, you know, and I'm not diminishing the experience of anyone, right? But so how how... What should we be thinking about in terms of mental health for children yeah. right now as we sort of enter in a new phase? Well, look, when you frame it in the way that you have and kind of with, and it's something that I've started to look at and, and think quite a lot about, and that is the, the privilege, mental health and privilege. You know, we, I think we've talked about this before, how people say this mental health does not discriminate, right? When it's one of the most discriminating um things out there right it it absolutely does and if you're in a privileged position in that you've grown up in a family that have not experienced any kind of financial insecurity as a result of this right have been able to get their uh, work from home work in the office from home so no financial insecurities come from that Um, they're very loving and very present parents and so actually I think those children will have benefited from this. I actually, you know, 
my opinion is um, we should keep children with their parents longer than we do and more than we do, actually. Um, so I think, you know, literally there will be a, a, a section of society that will look back on this as a as children and see it as actually a really good time. They may have missed out on seeing their friends for a short while, um, but that's come back, you know, so they would have been around their friends, you know, by now. Then you've got the opposite end of the spectrum and they're the ones that are going home to a, a terrible family environment um, where their lives have literally been held for the last God knows how many months or, or whatever it is. And these are the young people that would have been traumatised anyway um, mm. and that are now going to experience it on a much deeper, more prevalent level. Now, a traumatised child becomes a teenager um, that that you'll see across all Facebook local community pages that are just shamed by adults. Yeah. Most mental health struggles in children don't look like a meek and mild child struggling with anxiety or depression. They look like a problem child. Yeah. A problem child that a lot of people will say we shouldn't be sparing the rod and all of that stuff with. Right. They'll look like the children that are getting excluded from school. I suppose. Right? Asbos, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we literally labelled them that at one point, mm. right? We mm. we labelled them as asbos, right? And so there's a problem there, and you know there's there's a real problem. And throughout this whole thing, schools have just been treated as childminders by the government. If you want to, you know, that's my opinion on that. The, the government doesn't care about, broadly speaking, I don't think they really care too much about. The education they care about getting the kids back in school so they can get people back to work that's what i believe and i think there's a lot of irony at the moment that, that i've seen that the you've managed to get me on a bit of a political rant uh to see hancock it's not very hard uh, to do that it's not very hard hancock the tory uh i thought there was a lot of irony in him coming out yesterday and pleading with young people to do the right thing uh young people that by the way have been systematically abused by by that party for the last 10 years have had no support had no kind of voice in in the brexit shambles that we're still in by the way i've brought brexit up on the podcast probably for the first time since we started <laughs> so um to come to bring it back to your question having gone on a little bit of a rant i think the, the kind of depending on your privilege and depending on what family that you live in this is going to have a seriously conflicting um uh um effect impact on these young people and the problem with a seriously conflicting impact in that sense is that it could very well draw more divide between privileged and you know the not so privileged especially if just very quickly before you before you come in especially if these people say covid hit me really really hard and da, 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 and this go these people go well i've been through covid as well and you know i'm a stars and flying through my exam so you know that's not really an excuse. And we do that a lot, don't we? Well, definitely. I mean, I think I was just, I was going to make a point. It, I think COVID has definitely, I mean, it's it's definitely exacerbated the class uh, yeah. divide, particularly as we talk about children. I was talking with a friend uh, about it uh, just uh, at the end of last week. And we were talking, actually, you know, both as parents and acknowledging our, our position of privilege, right? You know, so yeah. let me just state that, that, you know, uh how we 
tried to keep up, you know, with school, with the kids schooling. And, you know, um, you got to a point where uh, you just needed to just try and make sure that they were sort of doing something every day, doing some extracurricular stuff and, you know, getting some outdoor kind of activity and, and things like that. But not necessarily going so far and just trying to recreate a school, you know, a full school mm-hmm. environment because we had to kind of, you know, look out, look out for their well-being as well. And then what you have is you have, you know, some kids who just, you know, could, could be that the parents had to try and juggle jobs or it could be, a you know, a single parent family or or actually just, you know, parents that just didn't have the wherewithal or the interest or all those sorts of things, right? And so, uh, you know, they they didn't get the same experience that, say, a, a lot of kids from kind of um, more privileged backgrounds got. So what happens is there was already a gap in schools, right? Because mm-hmm. I talked about it just a, a few moments ago about like the home environment and how important it is, right? So there's already a gap, but actually when they go back to school starting this week, that gap has just got much bigger. And the problem mm-hmm. with a, a gap that's got bigger, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger because mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the teachers are not going to be able to put the time and energy, right? To be able to bring that, that group back up to a level without letting that, you know, that other group kind of, you know, keeping them stimulated or whatever. So it, it, I just feel like that that it's just going to get further and further. And right now that's a challenge. In two years time, those kids, three years time, those kids start to move into secondary and that's where the problems start to exacerbate. Mm. So I think this is a big challenge and, you know, we've never shied away from the heavy topics, but also I think we, we can't, you know, try and wrap it with a bow at the end of every session and say, okay, well, what's the solution? Because I don't think there is a, a ready-made solution right now, but what well, could we? Co- there, I think there is yeah. a couple. There's a couple. Um, you know, I, I've talked. I talk a lot about how schools would benefit from having, right? I call them emotionally available adults that were just at school, not to to teach, not to do anything else, but be emotionally available for the children. Some of these kids can go in and and you know this guy is there. He's an emotionally available adult, and he says, "Oh, Jimmy, I see." Remember, you said you were going to play football the weekend, yeah? How did you do? And Jimmy goes, what the, like, no adults ever get to ask me that. And he thinks it's brilliant. I told him this, well done. Really proud of you. You've done really, really well, yeah? Now, um, I think that would have a huge impact. It's a very, it's a small thing uh, of a certain cost, by the way, um, but would have a huge impact on young people. Now, yeah. 15, 20 years ago, we used to call them youth workers, right? But we got rid of them. We got rid of all the youth clubs because what are they doing, right? We can't afford it, right? There's no, there's no magical money tree, right? Until this year, where they found one. By the way, they found the, they found the magical money tree this year. Oh, uh, yeah. There never used to be one, yeah, because it wasn't a big enough crisis, yeah. So it's just kids that can't sort of vote right now, anyway. So who kind of cares, right? So we've the, the the funding for young people. If you look at the curve over the last fifteen years, it's an absolute disgrace on our society. So there are things there. There are things, there are ways in which we could support these young people that really need it, but we've taken them away. So, so listen, I think, um, look, everything costs. That's the point I'm making. You know, we could, mm. we could everyone come up with ideas. You and I could bash out a few ideas um, and then you could, you know, you could run that all the way up to government and, you know, but it's, it, you know, for, for this to change, you need to find money consistently and it needs mm. it needs sort of root and branch change um they've done all right without this year though didn't they 
Yeah, but of course they're going to have to. I think I think it's not it's, it's too simplistic to 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 just um you know to just say oh well it's been cut in the past. It would you know running a government, running any company, you look at the things, you look at if you can't keep spending, right? I'm not I'm not by the way I'm a labor conservative party whoever it is, right? Liberals yeah, yeah, yeah. unlikely ever, but you know uh would love it. But you know like the, but the point is there is uh there's you've always got to manage costs and mm. there are always going to be winners and losers right mm. are they the right winners and losers we could argue no right um should there be uh you know more fairness equity justice in terms of contributions from insight definitely would that make a difference yes definitely but it's not as simple as saying oh well you know it's not been important it was just less important than some of the other things that were deemed more important but mm. you can't just keep spending the whole time like that's just how you know running organizations businesses you know companies countries is right um but the point is i'm less bothered about that like i know i should be and i am but i'm like what do we do now so mm. of course they're going to come out and say it now because yes they're playing politics but how, if you still get it it's still good so what do we do next and that's sort of something that we need to kind of, you know, we need to think about because um, th- there is a there is going to be a significant impact on the children um, that it just exacerbates over time. So I love the idea of having an emotionally available adult, um, but you know, why, let's help teachers be more emotionally available. Let's give them more resources. You're right. You you've always said that teachers are not treated well in this mm. country, and actually they should be. Uh, they should be given better salaries, more motivation, more incentives, and and given better skills to deal with those sorts of things. Yeah, and, and we could give them more resources as well by taking away some of the pressure. That yeah. wouldn't cost anything. So you want yeah. to start talking? You know, when we start talking about cost as well. I agree. In terms if, of if, if we uh, remove results some and of things the pressure, like that. yeah, yeah, from the, the academic pressure on some of the teachers to get some of these grades, and said, you know what, once every other week within all your lessons there's a free lesson but you don't you can do what you want with the young people do yeah. what you think you see fit with the young people just be with them be yeah. present with them yeah. right imagine that yeah imagine that where they could play games and they could be kids and they could be young and they could have less pressure on them and you do that by the way you, that's 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 relatively easy to do um but then also you know, to, to to bring it back to some of the costs as well, because you have to do, you do have to, to, to measure up costs. But when you look at um, an investment, we should invest in our young people. We're, um, did you know we're uh, 27th all right, out of 41 countries for children's health? That's a disgrace. That's a disgrace. Um, and when you invest in your young people, okay, you, you'll see the fruits of that in years to come you just need to look at you just need to look at sports teams you know like the ones that invest in their you know in their youth systems and academies do really well like it you know it's a long game you can't you can't expect short-term results it's a long game i definitely get that actually there's just one thing i want to kind of um bring up as an analogy that i really like and i i can't remember where i heard it but i heard that um uh there used to be uh, kind of in um, in the east somewhere in like in 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 history, um, the way that you know we, the way that we measure kind of doctors GPs is on nowadays is on the amount of patients that you treat, the amount of people that you see in in and out, right? Because it's all about quotas. 
Um, but there used to be kind of this notion that actually uh, local uh, medical practitioners were rewarded and incentivized and paid on the number of healthy people in their in their kind of uh, districts, right, yeah. in their regions. So you're motivated to keep people well and healthy as opposed to fixing the sick. And I just really love that analogy as if you can bring that into kind of wider society. So instead of kind of going, right, you need to be able to kind of hit this sort of quota or, uh, or you know, do these in terms of, you know, this level in terms of SATs, where it all becomes about admin. What about if we were able to kind of teach more holistically, help children learn, like feed their curiosity? Mm. You know, mm. that is not, uh, you can't do that. You can't switch it overnight. But actually, if you can start to change the mentality, I think that would be really good. Yeah. So, listen, we've had, we've got so much. We could keep talking for hours and hours. It's been, mate, it's been so long. Kids and schools, mate. Yeah. I'm, uh, I've it. got, yeah, soap I need box. a part two on this one. I'll bring a soapbox for you next time. Uh, but it's really <laughs> important. And that's why I wanted to raise it. And I wanted to talk to, you, to, to with you about it. So, yes, this isn't the end of the conversation. Uh, but it is coming to the end of the episode. So what yeah. we normally do with the end of our episodes is reasons to be cheerful and uh so obviously we've got several weeks of things that we could talk about but right now as we sit here on you know in uh, early september uh what is your reason to be cheerful for this week so my reason to be cheerful uh, i need to i need to title it don't i uh, you don't have to but if you want to be as good as me you fantasy can. football is back is that what you worked on i haven't done I, no i've just thought of it because i thought as you said as you asked me what is your reason to be cheerful i thought i haven't thought uh, <laughs> but fantasy football is back mate it's a great piece of uh uh genuinely brings men together and uh not just not men, just men as well not just men women as well but 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 uh i think you know predominantly it's a lot of my male friends come together over fantasy football and I think it's good. And I haven't done my team yet, but I will be studying it. Obviously, last season um, was was very difficult for you, um, watching me sit at the top all, all, all the way through the season and then eventually win it. Uh, I'll do it again this season, and I'm looking forward to it. And our listeners will probably... <laughs> get bored of you get, talking about it. Get bored of... Uh, like uh, I am no, bored I, of you talking about it now. It. I'd probably... They know I'm a winner. So <laughs> In your head. That's what you've been telling yourself for the last month. Uh, yeah, head. so look, it's a bit of a uh, rubbish one, to be honest with you. No, it's good. Believe, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it as well. Um, my reason to be cheerful is kindred connections. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I had to title it up. No, that no. sounds like an, a, 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 a team name on The Apprentice. Yeah, no, oh, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, no, uh, my reason to be cheerful is is jumping back on this podcast with you. I've genuinely missed it. I've also yeah. missed uh, the accountability of putting important topics and conversations out. We didn't shy mm. away from it today. Um, but yeah, you're my uh, kindred connection. And uh, that is my reason to be cheerful this week. Nice, mate. Nice. I'm going to change. Think of a title for, for next time, please. You know, you're, you're letting well, the side I do, down. I do well to think of an actual topic to come up with, don't <laughs> yeah, I? I've true. been thinking all week of saying, of bringing up on the Family. podcast that I think, as well as the reasons to be cheerful, we should have like a two minute rant section where we just get to have a rant about You something. had a 48 minute rant, so. Uh... <laughs> So I brilliant. think uh, we've we've covered that for several episodes uh, in advance. <laughs> Josh, brilliant to get back on this. Great to chat. Looking forward to putting this one out. Um, I think it was a really important topic. And as you say, you know, we've only literally touched the surface. But yeah, uh, we'll be back on this. Yeah, great, uh, great sure. to chat to you, and uh, see you next time. Top man. 
Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kai.